Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast, brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined this season by... This is Jordan here. Jordan, are you on Twitter, sir? I am on Twitter. I am Jordan Eggleston on Twitter at JWEggleston7. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. Hey, if you want to, go ahead and log on and give us one of those five-star reviews. Always helps us out. Uh, could, need, could use all the help we could get tonight. Uh, the technology bug that always eventually comes for me uh, delayed us for, well, a good 45 minutes here. So It, it has definitely struck in yes. Minnesota. Yes. Uh, speaking of Minnesota, shout out to the Twins. Uh, just won their Ooh. first. <laughs> Are you a Lions fan? Uh, Tigers fan. Yeah. Or Tigers fan, excuse me. I meant to say Tigers. Um, but is there is there extreme hatred for you? Nah, that's just a division rival. I right. Know, I mean, I, rival, so. but did, like, do you, do you like, is the twins near the top of the teams that you dislike or? Oh no, it's no, no, they're not even close. It's the Yankees. And then for me, the white Sox. Okay. And probably the guardians from there. And then the twins. Okay. And the, okay. the Royals are irrelevant because they were only good for like two years. So. Well, after 21 years, uh, you know, I, you you, you got to at least be somewhat happy for some twins, suffering twins fans and Minnesota sports fans in general. So. Right. Yep. Um, speaking of uh, things going down, uh, Pat Fitzgerald, just, we just found out a couple hours ago, he's going after some money. Um, we don't have a lot of details. The details apparently are, are going to be shared with the world tomorrow, Thursday, um, what seems to be leaked is that the uh, lawsuit that he put out there to uh, Northwestern University, the athletic department, however that works, is he's going after 100 schmill to 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 start out with. Hey, you got to start high. He's not holding any punches. They always say you got to start that number high and negotiate your way down. He sure as hell's doing that. My God, you know. I but, mean, but it, it's a little like to me. I'm no lawyer. I have no legal sense whatsoever, but for him to go to this point where he's going to sue him, he's got to feel pretty good about something. He's got to feel good that he's going to get something out of this. Yeah. Like, yeah. Why are you going to wait? Like if he was a hundred percent guilty in this whole thing and he knew that he screwed up, is he even going through this? I don't, I don't um, think so. Probably would still go through it just because uh, you'll at least get something out of it. I mean, if, if he only gets 20% of what he's asking for, he's still getting 20 schmill you know right yeah. there so um you know the interesting thing is we i think people had an idea on how much money he was making per year i think it was like seven eight million dollars um my guess is it's what was left on his contract and then also if he signed another contract lost wages for them smearing his name i bet all of that is in in this lawsuit um, I'm not asking you to come down on any side. I just am using my own street sense here. I feel like Pat Fitzgerald has gotten screwed. I, I believe they wanted him out because of performance and the stuff that they threw at him uh, to get him out uh, is mostly stuff that's been blown out of proportion. Um, that's my take. And and I'm sticking to it until I see something come through that proves proves me an idiot. Yeah, I'm I'm always on the innocent until proven guilty thing, and I haven't seen anything that's happened with this whole thing that says that he's done anything. We hear we have a lot of hearers saying a lot of conjecture, yeah, on both sides saying it. But I mean, 
Yeah, obviously they weren't happy with the, the product on the field. And when one complaint comes in and says, hey, I don't like how I'm being treated. And then somebody says, well, we can make this a whole lot bigger. Yeah. It's really easy in today's society, in today's culture for this to happen. So I, I, I wouldn't just, be surprised at all. I just wonder if they just would have done the right thing and said, listen, we want you out. Let's negotiate the contract. If it winds up being somewhere around the same number that gets litigated anyways i don't know it'd be and then you don't have all the bad pr that comes with what they're doing right so nope that's that would be my guess uh things going down in the land of lincoln here (laughs) this this (laughs) week because there was a fire yes a literal fire at memorial stadium the the illinois the university of illinois version of the memorial stadium um it was in the horseshoe end of the uh, uh stadium nebraska fans got all excited illinois fans got worried they got the fire out. It looks like we're going to be okay for Friday night. Very ironic that a stadium with turf field had <laughs> lawnmowers catch on fire that caused this to happen. Now I know that the mowers are just stored aside for probably other grounds around the area. Yes. But the fact that a turf, I know. a turf field had lawnmowers catch on fire, it's just great to me. You can't write this stuff. I kept asking, you know, like our group and then just you know, asking Illinois fans on Twitter, trying to look on Twitter, like, why do we have lawnmower equipment on a field turf? Um, it does sound like it's the easiest place to store for the grass and whatnot that is in the area. Uh, I like their guy, Big Kurt. His his uh, theory was that's the end of the stadium that has been rumored the most to get remodeled. One way to speed it up, just light it on fire and let it cheer. Kind of like the last topic we just talked about. They wanted <laughs> something done and they found a way to do it. I see. It's all about the long con. It's all about how you play this let's, game. Let's be honest. Chicago politics gets a bad rap for truthful things. Yeah. So it doesn't uh, doesn't surprise me that some of these things are going down like that. All right. Uh, enough of that. Let's go ahead and get into the football. We got six games this weekend. One on Friday, five on Saturday. How do they have them split out on Saturday, Jordan? Two early, two in the afternoon, one in the evening. Folks, it's not that hard. Look at that. That's a perfect way to do it. This this, this is how it should be every single week. It's not difficult. Couldn't be that difficult. All right. Three big teams are idle this week. Number six, Penn State, the Michigan State Spartans, and the Indiana Hoosiers. Our first game that we will break down is this Friday, October 6th. This game's going to be straight fire, Jordan. The two <laughs> and three. <laughs> dad joke. The two and three Nebraska Cornhuskers coming into Champagne to take on the two and three Illinois Fighting Illini. This is a 7 o'clock p.m. game on FS1. Line Illinois by three and a hook over under 42.5. So Vegas is saying something like 23 to 20. Fighting Illini. Yeah, so Nebraska leads this series all-time 13-6-1, but the Illini have won the last three, including last year's 26-6 victory. So the Illini on a little bit of a streak here. Maybe that trend is what's playing into this line a little bit, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I look at this, I look at this game, and my immediate thought was, hmm, that line smells kind of funny. Okay. And but that's because be because specific. I, I I think wrong team's favored. Ah, uh, we're we're in a wrong team favored situation. That's that's my opinion. But okay. we'll we'll see. We'll maybe hey, we'll see. We'll we'll talk through this and see. Maybe maybe you changed my mind. But that was my immediate reaction when I saw the line was. Eh, is yeah, that, is that the right way to go? But the line has moved 
and away from my theory. So mm. I don't yeah, know. It's interesting. Now the line did move a little bit. It it went down and then it went back up. Unless yeah. I correct. Yeah. Unless I was looking yes. at things. Yeah. So yeah. That's... It initially started to trend back towards a push, and now it's drawn all the way up to where we're at with three and a half now. So that's that. You don't see that very often. That that's no. a that's a unique situation. Um, one would think maybe that's because Nebraska fans are getting involved. Um, but I don't. I don't sense a strong amount of confidence from either one of these fan bases. Um, there's a lot of question marks that that are on both sides of, of the ball here uh, for both teams. Um, here was one thing I was going to say is if there are Nebraska fans listening to this podcast and, and tuning in to watch this game on Friday night that maybe aren't that familiar with what Illinois looks like this year, here's the best way I can describe it. They're doing a heck of an impersonation of what Nebraska looked like under Scott Frost. Uh, 100%. Turning the ball over like crazy. Uh, Penalties at horrible times that are killing them. Uh, uh, Offensive line questions up and down. And then defense has talent, but yet goes missing for series at a time. That's what I'm seeing out of the Illinois fighting line. Yeah, you... That completely embodies what I was thinking about Illinois. And to me, that that speaks into Nebraska a little bit here. Like, we saw what Heinrich Harburg was able to do a little bit versus Michigan when he had to throw the ball. We saw some good things, some good signs. He was able to – I mean, I thought outside of his little three-quarter arm release that was causing some bad balls, I thought he looked good there. So, I mean, I'm I'm interested to see his growth in this game. I'm interested to see if Rule and and that offense – Trust him to throw the ball a little bit more against this Illinois secondary, like yes. you just mentioned, that has had problems all throughout the year. We know Nebraska is going to want to run the ball. We know they're going to try to run the ball. Maybe they have success, but to me, that's the one spot of Illinois' defense that has been the most consistent. Would be the defensive line. I know we've said we've yeah. we wish we see more of it. So I think they will struggle to run the ball a little bit. So you've got to trust Harburg a little bit more to air it out and try to get some more like some Thomas Fedonis and some Washington involved in this game. Yeah, um, I tell you what, uh, I'm glad you brought up uh, Heinrich Harburg because what th- I do believe he has looked better each game. He's took a step up yep, now, though this is his first road test uh being the man you know he's played a little bit on the road before but not to this degree um so that's something to look for another thing to look for that's involved with nebraska is basically the question is do we still trust nebraska's defense especially against the run after last week okay my initial gut feeling is Yes, I still trust this Nebraska defense to look similar to what it did the first four games. You essentially take the Michigan game and just toss it out uh, because they're not playing Michigan the rest of the year. However, part of that concern, though, is Luke Reimer being out. I believe he is the captain of this defense. He went out at the end of the La Tech game was out for Michigan. I'm not saying it would have made the biggest difference in the world in that Michigan game. I saw what it looked like up front, but I'm telling you, there are a lot of Nebraska fans that are a little bit worried about that. Deshaun Singleton doesn't seem like he's going to be back. Uh, Cam Lenhart, the defensive young defensive line that, that people really like, sounds like he will be back. But we got Turner Corcoran, Nash Hutmacher, who I think is going to be back, but Gimpy, like, bit of a mash unit going on defensively and all around for, for Nebraska. Uh, 
something to look for. Uh, Jeff Sims healthy, something to look for. Is he going to get snaps? A uh, lot of question marks, which is, I guess, you, why I, that was a lot. I just went. Through. Yeah, you just that's all. That's an entire like name drop central you just threw down there. But I mean, it, but it, what you're saying makes complete sense. When you have a team like Nebraska that has struggled in bits and pieces throughout the year, when you start throwing all these injuries in there, it even brings more questions in because what's the depth like? They took a lot of transfers in this year. And one of the things I know we talked about early in the year was did they would they have the depth to hold up to a Big Ten season? This is where that's that's gonna yeah. rear its ugly head. Is if these injuries are too much and the depth can't overcome it, that's where then Illinois can take advantage of that. I'm interested to see because we saw Matt Rule's press conference yeah this week and it was it was fiery and but i I don't i don't think it was i don't think he was trashing his players i I think it was more he was challenging his players and saying i think we're better than this i think we know we're better than this i'm interested to see how the players respond to that are they going to come out and play on fire or are they going to be a little more like hey who the hell is this guy saying all this about us uh and and if we're not doing a good job explaining it, essentially, for lack of a better way of putting it, Matt Rule said, you're either in or you're out as far as the yep. players. I mean, that's – and Nebraska fans, I and I get it, I for the ones that are tired of hearing their head coach ask if their players are in or out, I support your frustration with that. Um, I trust Matt Rule more in challenging his team than I ever would Scott Frost, Okay. So, like, there's something there. I also think uh, Matt Rule, knowing that after this week, they are idle. He understands how huge this game is going into the idle week and how much he wants to push on them to get the win. Sounds like they were hitting right away on Sunday after that Michigan game and getting after it. A lot of stuff going on. And and then the last couple things I would put down with with Illinois is I also have questions where their headspace is that as well? Um, yeah, does the, does the equipment factor start to sink in with this team after the struggles they've had? I mean, they had big things in their head. Like, they really thought they were going to be a team that was going to challenge for the West. And I'm not saying they, they can't. I mean, there's still a ton of a season left. But, like, I wonder if they're a little bit more susceptible to to things not looking as good. You know, like, I, I, I know this is going to pain some people to hear us, but, like, I think – Nebraska would by and large be happy with a six and six season. I don't think Illinois players are, they already accomplished that last year. They were looking at bigger things. Maybe they, so it affects them more. And then on top of all this, I mean, a one way to start looking better overall is to stop turning the ball over, which is what Lukey legs needs to do only not turn it over meaning only one turnover last week, but it was a crucial one in that game. So like, where's the headspace? What's what do you, what D line is going to show up? You know what? What I, that is all the questions uh, that we. So I guess maybe that's why we've seen the line go up and down and back and all around. But all right, we've we've talked through a lot without actually making any definitive things. We've we've essentially <laughs> just raised like a thousand questions here. Now we get to try to predict this game. So you go ahead. You start. First. Yeah, yeah. I think I think everything that we said. I said I would. I'd be curious to see if anything that we talked about here would talk me off of where I was feeling. I feel better about my pick here after talking through this than okay. I did coming into it. So I said I thought wrong team was favorite here. I still stand by that. Okay. So I I have Nebraska twenty seven, Illinois twenty one. This goes back to the exact same thing I said about last week, where I think 
in a game that's close between two teams that are fairly evenly matched, I'm going to take the unit I trust the most on all sides to win us, and it's the Nebraska defense for me. I trust that Nebraska defense to be the best unit. So I'm taking Nebraska 27-21. That is my Amador double barrel lock of the week. Wow. Nebraska plus three and a half. If you're giving me points and I think they win it outright, I'm taking that. I love it. I I think that's the play. So at 48 points too, that's pretty comfy over. But that I just I think it's wrong team favored. I really, really do. You surprised me there, sir. That if if you would have had me guess the top my top four guesses of what your amateur lock would be, this would not have been in the top four. Um, okay, we do see a lot of similarities. So I, I've got Nebraska twenty one, Illinois seventeen. Okay, now at thirty eight points, I've got that under. At one point, I absolutely love the under. The more I look through it, I don't like the unders as much as I used to, but it still is the side that I'm going to fall on right here. Um, I'm with you with the unit that I still believe I trust the most is that Nebraska defense. I would also add I still trust the Nebraska rushing attack as well. That would be the other thing. Especially if it's Harbor. Especially if it's Harbor. Which I think it will be. If you have a strong rushing attack and and what I think will be a defense that typically keeps the thing under – Another th- reason that I would think it would be under is the Nebraska place kicking, which is bad. So I am, I, and if this comes down to a kick or two, then it swings to Illinois. I'm going to assume at 21 points, that's going to be enough for Nebraska to get the win. All right, moving in to Saturday, October 7th. We got five games this Saturday. Um, we're going to skip one of those early games and save it for the uh, end of the podcast. So we're going to start out with the four and one Rucker Scarlet Knights at the three and one Wisconsin Badgers. This is an eleven o'clock a.m. game on P. Hawk. I've decided I'm going to say it like that the rest of the season. <laughs> P. Hawk line Wisconsin by fourteen over under forty four point five. So Vegas is saying something like thirty one to seventeen Badgers. Badgers have never lost in this series. Only four meetings, so this will be the fifth one. They are 4-0, including the 52-3 in Piscataway in, in 2021. So the last time they played, much different Rutgers team, I yeah. think, back then. Yeah. So 52-3, that's quite the shellacking. And obviously the line now being 14 tells you these are two much different teams than they were the last time they met. Yeah, this ain't this like this ain't your slight, to me, slightly older brother Rutgers. They're 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 a little bit yeah, no kidding this year. This game to me, like I know our Big Ten game of the week, we're gonna get there later. This was definitely the number two on my list. This game has so many storylines and so many angles that I'm interested in. I mean, I've been I may be Rutgers' biggest fan outside of the fan base. I mean, I've I've really sang the praises. I think this team has been really good. So this this game to me, I will be tuned in as early as I can be on this game to watch yep. it. So I'm curious, where, where are you at? What's your thinking yeah. on this? I think me, you, and Kurt are all kind of Rutgers fans. Uh, shout out to our guy, Brick. You know, he's he's loving it. Another guy, another good guy on Twitter, Aaron Brightman. He's a great guy to follow. Um, yeah, um, I, I wasn't surprised to see it at 14. Uh, but Not in Wisconsin. Not in Wisconsin. In, in Wisconsin. And, and to also point out, Coming off an idle week. I don't know how much that actually plays into lines. I bet it helps out a little bit. So focusing on Wisconsin, some kind of interesting stuff. Tanner Mordecai, you know, brought in for, you know, all of the uh, pomp and circumstance. 
we're almost at the halfway point of the season. He's only got two passing touchdowns. However, Wisconsin has got some points on the board. Why? Because they are near the top in the country with rushing touchdowns at 11. But one of their bell cows is gone. Now, we still got the number one guy in Braylon Allen. But I tell you what, I find it interesting on what this pitch count is going to be, or if there is one, for Braylon Allen on how much he's going to carry the ball. He still was dinged up a little bit. I'm going to make the assumption he's healthy or nearly healthy, but he does not seem to be the Jonathan Allen type where you want to just shove carries down his throat where he's getting 23, 24 carries and also getting active in the passing attack. That's I don't think that's what they want him to do. Uh, the next guy up, and this is the correct way to pronounce uh, his last name. Our guy Soup helped me out with it. It's Jackson Aker. So as in like okay. an acre of land. It looks like an acre. He's okay. going to be the number two guy. The, I know that I know this is getting into the weeds and dorky, you know, Big Ten West talk. But I really am interested on how that rotation is going to be at running back, and and what this Wisconsin offense is going to look like in general after some time off. Well, you you have to assume coming off that idle week that Allen's going to be a little bit healthier. Maybe the healthiest he's going to be probably the rest of the year. I mean, we know running backs, you're you're never going to get through a season without any nicks. But off your idle week, you have that's going to be the best he's going to feel. To me, with what we've seen from this Rutgers defense and what they're good at, they're good at stopping the run. I mean, their defense is good. So they're they're going to make a concerted effort to try to stop that run. So to me, Tanner Mordecai has got to be the guy in this game. You mentioned he's the the touchdown passes. I don't necessarily even need him to throw touchdown passes. I need him to value the football. Yeah. Like turnovers in this game are going to be massive. If one of these offenses turns the ball over two, three times, this game could get out of hand for either team. Yep. So Mordecai, you know, we've seen in the past, he has a tendency to get loose with the football and throw it around. If that happens, this Rutgers team will pull this upset. I could not agree more. I mean, I both sides. I mean, we could say it every week, pretty much every game, but like both sides are certainly stressing uh, turnovers. But you would think going on the road, Rutgers is going to need the turnovers more than Wisconsin. Speaking of Rutgers, excited to see Gavin Wimsett in this game. Okay. He's grown every week. Every week he's grown. every, Every week he looks good. The other side of this is this. This is where, to me, the most intrigue is at. The, Wisconsin has been decent against the run. Okay. There, there, it has not been a, a horrible defense against the run. You've actually, teams have touched them up the most, thrown the ball. But that's not how Rutgers is built. They, they want right. to run the ball with both running back and Wimsett. Then they'll hit you. Is this a reverse? Is, is there a little bit of, they see a little bit of action down the field to loosen up Wisconsin before they run? Probably not. Teams typically, they kind of are what they are. But I am interested to just see the overall attempt success rate for Wimsett. In, incredible game planning. I wish I could be, could have been in the room this week with the Rutgers offensive game plan to see what they're doing. Well, we saw Rutgers against Michigan a little bit when when the running game wasn't there. They they did start throwing the ball a little bit more, and they, they found some success at times. I think it became to be just too little too late. But they found some success in that game. So I'm curious if they can take that and build with it in a situation where they need to. And like you said, this Wisconsin defense ain't your older brother's Wisconsin defense. So there are plays to be had out there. And from what I've watched with Wisconsin, there were there were some missed plays where there could be more against this defense that some yes. other teams didn't take opportunity of. Correct. So, I mean, going on the road, 
especially at Madison and Camp Randall, it's a tough environment. Rutgers has just got to take advantage of those opportunities when they get them. I don't. I think this game is going to be low scoring. I think forty-seven. That number's high to me. I think that's a pretty high number because I, I think the two defenses are, are going to control this game more than not. I so do if you not. Want, I'll go right into my score. You got more? Uh, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So like I said, I I think uh, the number right now is forty-five. Right? It wasn't 47? Uh, yeah, actually, that's what I was looking up. I think we are at, I just want to double check. Uh, yeah, we're at 44 and a half. Oh, it's 44 and a half? Well, okay. Yep. So it's moving even more than what I thought. Okay, yep. well, so, all right. My my, What I'm saying is I still think holds true because that initially I'm looking at a line at 47. Right. But, so this this game to me is going to be close. I, I don't see this game getting ugly either way. I think these are just two good teams. I think Rutgers defense, I think Wisconsin being at home in their running game, going to be a close game. Having said that, going on the road to Camp Randall is a tough environment for anybody, especially a Rutgers team that is just learning how to win games. This is a tough environment to go into and take that win. So I think they keep this game close. 14 to me is it's a good number, but I think it's a little too big. So I take Wisconsin 28. Rutgers 17, so that's 11 points. So Rutgers covers, and now with the line moving, that is slightly over. I mean, yeah. if it was 47, I would have had it a little bit under that. But yep. I think this game's closer than 14. Yep. I really do. I think this game is a game in the fourth quarter. Yep. The only thing that scares me about this line is the line itself, uh, because I like I would feel more confident about taking Rutgers in the points if it was like 10 or 11. I know that makes no sense. I'm getting an extra field goal. Okay, you you have my de- demented gambling brain. You know how that goes. But yeah. But now you got you. But I also have your words in my head. Don't let Vegas freak me out. Believe what I'm seeing. So I'm going to take your advice, sir. Um, so I've got Wisconsin 24, Rutgers 20. So I got it really darn close at 44 points. That's a half point under the game total. Ultimately piggyback on what you said gotta see you know Rutgers win one of these games against a bigger boy program on the road 11 o'clock kickoff also you know people kind of dogged on Wisconsin for not looking good against Wazoo that Wazoo team is pretty darn good okay they look look really tough kind of reminds me of maybe look deeper into Michigan's uh, teams that they've played in Penn state with West Virginia. Like these teams are actually pretty good that, that, you know, that uh, these big 10 teams have played against better than you think at least. So I think Wisconsin's a little bit better maybe than what some of the public says thought about taking the points here and making it my Amador double barrel lock of the week. I'm just a little, I need to see Gavin Wimsett play clean first on the road before I can lock that up. But speaking yep. of Amador, the Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel agent technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip, neat, or in your favorite bourbon cocktail, Amador is the perfect go-to this fall on game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California. Moving into the afternoon very quickly here, the 2-2 two and two, Howard Bison at the 2-3 and three Northwestern Wildcats. This is a 2 o'clock p.m. game. No lines. Hardly any people are going to be in attendance. What do we got here? No, they, and they have never played each other never as played. far back as I can see. So yeah. no history uh, to go on. The Bison, they're out of the MEAC. The Bison, are, the, the Howard Bison are out of Washington, D.C., 
They lost to EMU, beat Morehouse, lost to Hampton, and they smoked Robert Morris. See what I did there? 35 to 10. They got a pretty, they got a little bit of a dangerous quarterback here. A little bit of a dangerous quarterback. He's kind of a runner, kind of a thrower. Uh, But what are we looking at in this game? To me, this is, if you would have told Northwestern fans at the start of the year, you're two and three going in the game against Howard, I think every single one of them would have ran in and said, hell yeah, sign me up for that. Yeah, for sure. So this is a situation where you've got to go into this game expecting to win the game and know you're the better team and just win this game. I mean, we know Ben Bryant status up in the air. So obviously that that brings a little bit of concern into it. But I still think with what we've seen from this Northwestern team in the recent weeks, that they're the better team here by far. I just, I mean, don't have some stupid game where you play down in a, in a sleepy environment, like you said. But you could. But you could I mean, see it's it. possible. Yeah, you, you could see it. Uh, and mostly because I, I'm going under the impression that Ben Bryant is not going to play. So we might get a Sullivan. We might get a Holinsky. We might get a Jack Lush. We do not know what we're going to get. Hopefully they get a decent rushing attack. Hopefully their defense keeps playing like it does. I don't think this is going to be a game that is going to feel comfortable very often for uh, Northwestern. But in the end, I think they win it on kind of pride and coaching alone. This score hit for me earlier in the year. I'll try it again. I got Northwestern 28, Howard 14. Ooh, you had me worried there for a minute because I have Northwestern 28, Howard 10. Okay. Pretty so, close. Pretty I similar. Think, I feel the same way about it. Yeah. I do think that quarterback of theirs is a little dangerous. I think he'll pop a player too. Sticking on in the afternoon, the two and three Purdue Boilermakers at the four and one Iowa Hawkeyes. This is a 2 30 p.m. game on P Hawk. The line Hawks by two and a half over under. Of course, it's low at 38.5. So Vegas is saying a very Iowa score of 22 to 19. I was surprised to see that Purdue leads this all-time series 50, 40, and 3. So they have a 10-game lead in this series. That was kind of surprising to me. I know Purdue's kind of been the, the bane to Hawkeye's existence over the past, over the recent years, but yeah. Um that- you gotta you gotta look at Purdue is better than you think if you go back in time. And Iowa in the 60s and 70s was straight ass just, just absolutely <laughs> okay, so, so i think yeah. i i i don't know this off the top of my head i should but i think purdue actually had like a 15 or something like game winning streak against iowa in the 60s and 70s it was it was that bad wow yeah so so to, to me I'm, I'm very interested let's start with purdue on offense um or sorry purdue on defense okay. that's where i want to start okay we know purdue's defense has been less than ideal let's yep. say for this yeah. season but we saw ryan walters i mean it's said that he coached the defense last week and to me that looked better and then and you throw in the caveat of now you're facing iowa's offense which hasn't been great either so i'm very interested to see if ryan Wal- like a ryan walters is calling plays again which why wouldn't he if it worked last weekend you're going to continue that trend and b is the cure for a bad Purdue defense facing the Iowa offense. Fair so yep. very, very interested to see that with this Purdue defense, because we know what Purdue's offense is. Purdue's offense is good. It's a good offense. It's going to move the ball. Hudson Card's a good quarterback. We know what Iowa's defense is. It's good. It's going to make plays. So I'm very, very interested to see that Purdue defense versus that Iowa offense and how that matchup lines yep. up. We got strength against strength. 
weakness against weakness, pretty yeah. much what it seems right there. Um, my general thought process with Iowa is is this. Um, it takes an extraordinary team for an Iowa game to not look like an Iowa game. All right? You know what I mean? Meaning an extraordinarily bad team that Iowa can actually score points against or an extraordinarily good team that gets up on Iowa's defense and and blows them out that way a la Penn State. Okay? Yep. So I don't think Purdue is extraordinarily good or bad. All right? They are certainly in the middle. That means to me this is going to look like an Iowa game. Um, much to the chagrin of Iowa fans and anybody else in the Big Ten at this point, I feel like fans of rival fan bases are tuning in just because they want to watch the car crash. Speaking of car crash, we got a we got a a big a big old truck now <laughs> at quarterback with Cade McNamara out. You gotta at least like this guy a little bit, right? Big boy, you like big boy hey, touchdowns. How about hey, big boy quarterbacks? Anytime right? you got a big guy playing quarterback, I'm on that Jared Lorenzen train. Let's go. All right. The hefty hawk, the sneaking deacon. We are, of course, talking about quarterback Deacon Hill. Um, I will say this. As far as what the expectation should be for Iowa fans, who am I to talk uh, to Iowa fans or what they should expect? I don't expect stellar play from the quarterback position. Not so much because it's Deacon Hill, but because it's a Brian Ferentz coached offense. Okay. However, with that being said, it is nice. (laughs) I don't mean this disrespect to Kate, and I'm – I. He's out for the season. Sounds like he can come back. I hope to see the guy back. But we didn't have quarterback sneaks, Jordan. We didn't have boots. Like, I, I, I'm I'm not saying that things would look so much better if Deacon Hill was the starting quarterback from game one. But I'm curious to see how different they would look because sneaks and boots are a big part of the Iowa offense. And we haven't been able to run it. So, like... That's at least one thing that gives me and some Iowa fans some some hope, but not expecting a point explosion. I just want to be clear on that. Another thing that can potentially give Iowa fans uh, some hope is running back Caleb Johnson, who was actually kind of the Purdue killer last year. Uh, he will sounds like he will be back. Um, I think Iowa's needed that and uh, pass pro protection out of the running back at at at, at most. So I'm not saying he's going to make a huge role, uh, difference, but a couple pieces something back into the Iowa offense. Hopefully it means, you know, you can see some some decent offense here and there. I mean, at this point, you gotta take anything you can get, right? Yeah. And just hope that it's gonna help. I was good. I mean, that was one of the notes I made here. I wanted to ask you, like, do you think that this offense might be better off with a different quarterback? And like you said, it's it's not slight to Cade, because I think we both agree, and I think everybody out there would agree, a hundred percent healthy Cade. Yes by far is the better option, but he very clearly was not healthy. That's what I'm saying. So like, when you're I, playing on one leg, you, you're literally playing with one hand tied behind your back in yes. an offense that is needing those pieces. So to me, I almost think this has to be an upgrade for the offense because now the whole playbook, it could be you went from eight plays to ten plays, <laughs> insert whatever Brian Ferentz right. joke you want, right. but the whole playbook now can be open because the quarterback actually has two legs. I, and again, and he's I, rather large, so hey, let's yeah, big, put the big boy out there, let him rumble. I mean, just I mean, honestly, quarterback sneaks alone. Uh, um, they and because this guy, I mean, speaking of quarterback sneaks, Nate Stanley was the master at fourth and one in quarterback sneaks. This guy is doing is an amazing Nate Stanley impersonator. I mean, he looks just like him. He's got a rocket arm too. So so, um, and by the way, I, I I am totally on board with two things happening that I know won't happen. Joey Labas, <laughs> Joey Labas is the backup quarterback. 
just bring him in for a, a different look. Th- this is a mobile quarterback that can get around the edge. And is putting Cooper DeGene out there, even for a couple plays, get like my brother and I were talking today, throw the Iowa fans a friggin' bone, man. You know, like we love this kid so much. I it's this isn't crazy fan talk. Like the guy is amazing with the ball in his hands. Yeah, why not? Why not get your best athletes on the field and get them in space? Uh, Other side, here's what's going to be crazy. Purdue offense versus Iowa defense. We know what needs to happen. You need to be patient versus this Iowa defense and matriculate your way down the field. I don't think that's what Hudson Card wants to do. I don't think that's what his (laughs) offensive coordinator wants to do. (laughs) What do you think? I mean, how do you think that'll play out? I think... That's going to be a very intriguing piece of this game because we talked about it when Iowa played Penn State, and I was very curious with Drew Aller if he'd be able to be patient and be that guy, and he was, and we saw exactly what happened in that game. Eventually, they were able to just take everything apart. I don't know. We know that Hudson Card has had moments where he's looked really good. He's also had some moments where he's turned the ball over a little bit, trying to get a little too cute or force the ball. So, I mean, this line is tight for a reason. It's on the road. All those things lead me to, like you said earlier, this smells like an Iowa game just waiting to happen. Yep. Um, I do want to give a shout out to, I mean, if if there's going to be another Purdue killer of Iowa defenses, it would be Deion Burks. I really think 100%. that guy's good. I really think that guy's good. Like people need to recognize that a little bit. Another guy that could have been a huge part of this game that I think is a big advantage for Iowa's tight end. Max Claire is out. He had surgery on a look like a hyper extension. That's a big loss for them. Now mm-hmm. Miller is another good tight end, but I'm telling you um, the three man rotation is crazy. I can't figure it out. Tyrone Tracy jr. Former Hawk crazy legs, Maccabee speaking of crazy and then downing. I have no idea who's coming in or going in any series or they all have a different role. I don't know. It's been, it's been interesting to watch. Um, another thing to watch is I see, uh, the Purdue offensive line having issues with communication uh, in the form of false starts, twists, and stunts. That's something that Iowa's defense line loves to do. So I'm just that's going to be something I'm going to have my eye on is if can can the Iowa D line confuse the Purdue offensive line a little bit, get to the quarterback a little bit more. Um, you go ahead and start. I'll do the prediction second. Yeah, I um, I think everything that I kind of hinted at kind of tells you where I'm leaning. I do think this is an Iowa game. I do think at Kinnick, this is a tough spot for Purdue to go in and get a win. And I do, this Iowa defense is still good. They're still forcing turnovers. They're still making plays. So I I do see this Iowa 24, Purdue 17. So that's an Iowa cover. I do think Purdue is going to hit one play where a a big play to Burks or somebody, they're going to hit something because this offense is good. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's only a touchdown game, but I could see this Iowa defense getting a late turnover in this game to really shut the door on it. And at 41 points, that's a very slight over on this number right now. So I'm taking an Iowa over, and I don't love myself for it. But I just think with Hudson Card kind of having a little gunslinger in him that Iowa's going to get a takeaway or something and short field, and they'll end up scoring some more points because of it. During that 45-minute technology delay that we had tonight, were you drinking? During during that delay, is that what well, well, led you to the I, Iowa? I, I mean, we have been called alcoholics on Twitter, so I mean, <laughs> might, might as well lean into it. Okay, um, I'm hedging my bet here a little bit. I'm going to be honest with you, Jordan. Couple days of the week here, I had Purdue winning this game. I think it's 
I don't think this is actually a very good matchup for Iowa. Okay. Um, with that being said, I'm going to have some faith in Kinnick and a established coaching staff as compared to Ryan Walters and Graham Harrell coming into Kinnick to play. So that's what I'm kind of looking at here. So I got Iowa 18, Purdue 16. So at two points, that is a Purdue cover. And at 34 points, I got that going under. Um, And here's the deal. If Iowa is going to hit a big play, it's not going to be the rushing attack. I'll tell you that right now, brother. It's going to be on double moves. The Purdue defense is a lot like that Illinois defense where their uh, DBs are coming right at you and forcing you. That's how you get them is in double moves. Guess who is going to be stubborn and not actually hardly run any double moves? (laughs) That would be the Iowa offense. All right, moving in to our only evening game on Saturday, the 5-0, number two ranked Michigan Wolverines coming into Dinkytown locally here. I tried to invite Jordan up. He can't make it, though, to take on the 3-2 and two Minnesota Golden Gophers. This is a 6.30 p.m. game on NBC. Line Michigan by 19 over under 46. So Vegas is saying something like 33 to 13 we got a trophy game here this is the little brown jug in case people forget yeah one of my favorite trophies just because it's actually a trophy that was used at a game that has a history behind it it's pretty cool anybody that likes the the kind of weird little things about trophy games look up the little brown jug the story behind it's pretty cool good Anyway, so Wolverines lead the all-time series in this, though, 70-25-3. Last time they played was in the lovely 2020 season where Michigan went into Minnesota, won 49-24. That fans will remember that because that was the rise of Joe Milton. And then wow. subsequently the next week was the fall of Joe Milton. It was a very short-lived career at Michigan. But, uh, yeah. yeah. All right. Um, lots of things to break down here. I One thought I had is uh, – Team's taking on the big three, <laughs> okay? First up, Iowa, Penn State. That didn't go so well. Next up, Nebraska, Michigan. Yeah, that didn't go so well either. Is this the next one up? We have got Minnesota playing this well-oiled Michigan Wolverine team. Tough tough for me to look at this much different than looking at those scores and kind of thinking, you know, Michigan just destroyed Nebraska. And didn't Nebraska get beat by Minnesota? I know it's transitive property and you can't go overboard, but like the mismatch was up front. I don't think you just change out O and D line souls <laughs> since week one. It's hard for me to look past that. Yeah, I think I texted you earlier this week and I, I was having a hard time of talking myself out of this Michigan Minnesota game looking exactly like Nebraska. And and it's it's because I think these Minnesota and Nebraska teams are so similar. They they like to run the ball. They have a good run defense. Both of them aren't the greatest throwing the ball, and their pass defense can be a little sketchy at times. So, I mean, and I think I think Minnesota's getting Michigan at a really bad time. Yep. Because I think we saw this offensive line for Michigan early in the year kind of look a little eh, and the running backs were a little eh. Well, they're starting to gel, and all that's starting to come together, and that's dangerous. Yeah. Um, And to me – I can't tell you the last time that a team has lined up against Michigan and just run it down their throat. And that's what PJ likes to do. He wants to run the ball. So how stubborn will he be trying to do that? And if, if he's too stubborn and he thinks he's got to run the ball 35, 40 times, 
this game's going to get out of hand. He's going to have to trust yeah. Ethan to make some big throws. A um, couple things here on Minnesota. Um, we had Zach Evans on the back of the milk carton. Now there's another person that could be on the back of the milk carton, which is Brevin Spanford. Um, he's played all year. Stats, not there. Minnesota fans have been questioning that. Not saying this is the game uh, that he's going to bust out. It's just something to keep an eye on. Uh, shout out to Minnesota for having essentially the freshman of the week every week in the Big Ten. <laughs> I think the streak comes to an end this week. I think they're out of freshmen and out of uh, places to run against this defense. Um, uh, I, I will say I think the Gophers saw a somewhat – a somewhat comparable offense last week as far as a team that has a running quarterback, uh, not, not to the same level here, okay? And they had issues against that team. They had to force themselves to go man. And and shout out, by the way, the Gopher Gridiron pod. They do a great job of breaking this down, but had to go man to try to combat that. That opened up lanes for the quarterback. Had to go back to zone, kind of slowed things down, but that's what I think Michigan just attacks you at the rushing attack. Um, so I'm, I I told you I had some specifics here. So I'm going to go through this real quick. All right. Okay, we're going to see how close we're going to get. I'm literally going to call the statistics for the major players on the Michigan Wolverines. Are you ready for this? Oh boy. Okay. JJ McCarthy, 14 of 19 for 201 yards and two touchdowns. He'll have three carries for 47 yards and another touchdown. His touchdown catch will go to Roman Wilson, who will have four catches for 58 yards again. The rushing attack, 46 carries for 221 yards. That'll be a 4.8-yard average. Blake Corum will have 81 yards on 15 carries. Look for Colton Loveland to have that other touchdown. I think he's ready to break out with a bigger statistical game. Four catches, 44 yards, and a touchdown for him. So we'll, I got those written down on my sheet. We'll see how close we get to that. I, I mean, nothing that you just said right there sounds completely crazy to me. It sounds like a lot of what their games have looked like. Yep. So, yep. you want me to go or you? Yeah. I, you know, go ahead. Go ahead. I think this is going to be reminiscent of their first three games. Okay. They wanted to make a statement against Nebraska. First game on the road, people were kind of questioning them a little bit. Like, ah, first game on the road, yada, yada. So, they got the road thing off their back. I just think this is just going to be play good, beat them, get the guys out. It's going to be backups pretty early in this game, but not exactly run away with it. A la sleepy first three games. I don't think Minnesota will get into the red zone. Folks, nobody has gotten into the red zone for Michigan yet this year. That is filthy stuff when you're five games in. So it's going to look something like that. I've got Michigan 35 Minnesota nine. So that is just under. And that with that score, I've got Michigan pretty easily covering that spread. Yeah. I think, I think we see it kind of similar. I do think, I don't think it's sleepy. I actually think they get out to a bigger lead and then just kind of sit on it and get happy with running the ball. And I, I think PJ being PJ, I think he's going to be stubborn and he's going to want to run the ball, try to run the ball too much. So I, I have Michigan 38, Minnesota seven, and until somebody puts up something against this defense, I'm going to keep betting on them because they just show up and show up. I mean, they had that shutout last week until very late in the game, and it's just every single game has looked the same from this defense. So until somebody proves to me they can put double digits on this Michigan defense, I'm just not going to predict it. So I got that's 45, so it's 
So I'm just, just under, under that number, but I have him covering the, the 19 pretty comfortably. And that brings us to the... Big 10 game of the week. The 5-0 Maryland Terrapins at the 4-0 number 4 ranked Ohio State Buckeyes. This is an 11 o'clock a.m. game on Fox. That means this is the big noon kickoff line. Buckeyes by 20 over under 58. So Vegas is saying 40 to 20, roughly, Buckeyes. Yeah, the Buckeyes, the Maryland's never won this game. So going into the shoe, Buckeyes are 8-0 all time. But if you remember last year in Maryland, Ohio State won 43-30. to But that game was a whole lot closer than what that final score says. Because if I remember that correctly, I'm pretty sure Leah had a big turnover in the fourth quarter, down one score, like a pick six or a fumble six or something late in that game that pushed that game out of reach. Because Maryland had the ball in the fourth quarter to either go down and take the lead or tie it, if I remember that correctly. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I put too much weight on last year's game between these two. I think these teams are quite a bit different, um, especially Ohio State. Uh, The defense that rolled out versus the Terrapins last year and this Ohio State defense this year, two different things to me. I think this Ohio State defense is a lot better. I think a lot of the issues were in the secondary last year. In my mind, I think it was an adjustment that we've seen out of Jim Knowles where he assumed his uh, uh, D-line – would get home a lot. They didn't get home quite as much as they wanted, and the D-backs were not ready when they didn't, okay? It's an adjustment this year. Um, I really think Ohio State is not quite the team that people think they have been, okay, to do it again. This isn't your slightly older brother, Buckeyes. This is a different style Ohio State So I think we're going to get a different style football game between these two teams than we did with the high uh, scoring game that we saw last year. Okay. So, but now I have a question for you. Yeah. Is this the best offense that, that, that Ohio state defense has seen this year? Um, Western Kentucky is similar. Okay. Um, not similar, but I don't think they have the dudes. Not as good. Not as good. Um, of course, the the so I will answer and say no. This is definitely the best offense that Ohio State has seen. And now you have to flip the question around. I knew you were going to do it. Too. I mean, because listen, Maryland fans, I, I feel like we've done quite a bit to try to you know throw respect out to how good Maryland has looked. You you can only play the teams that are on your schedule, and they have housed the teams that are on their schedule. But brother, oh my gosh, those teams are horrible like i got inquisitive and i looked into it none of them has a winning record most of them are like oh or winless or one win like it 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 is bad and not only are you stepping up in competitions on both sides of the ball going against the buckeye defense and offense you, you have to go on the road in the horseshoe to play a you know a big noon game like and it's and they won't be intimidated okay leah has been there loxley has been there it's it's not that. I really think it's just getting the timing down and things like that with the passing attack when things are going to be ha- need to happen that much quicker and whatnot. That is a tough, tough order for Locks and this crew to go into the horseshoe and have tons of success. 
Yeah, don't you're you're a hundred percent right. Um, the the big question mark in this game to me is Leah because he's talented. He's got weapons. If if Maryland's going to go in to Columbus and get this win, this has got to be a legacy game for him. He has got to play 100%. his ass off, and he's got to be the guy that we've seen in flashes that he can be. Because we, when he's on, he can deal. And he, it's if they're going to pull this upset, he's it's going to fall on his shoulders. Because I don't think they're going to be able to just line up and run on this Ohio State defense. There's going to have to be some balance. And let's be honest, he's going to have to sling it around the yard a little bit. Yeah. It's funny you said legacy game. I wrote down, in order for them to win, it's going to have to be something that's added to the Tonga Viola family legacy. So we were, we were mm-hmm. I mean, this is how it has to go. Can Locks manufacture one of those shots early in the game? I mean, you know. Something like, to take the wind out of the stadium. Oh, and just get the confidence going for Leo. Yeah. I have to think that's what he's going to try to do. It's like typically like a rollout. And next thing you know, there's a wide receiver just running completely free down the field. Like it's amazing how many times locks can manufacture stuff like that happens. Ohio state fans don't take this personally, but I hope I kind of see it because that means to me that I want this game to be competitive, that it's it could be a fun, you know, more fun game to watch than I think a lot of people are are looking for. Here's another thing. I want to throw this out. This this is going to probably tick Ohio state fans off, but I don't mean it like that. Okay. I do not. I mean this as a compliment and what I want to see uh, first of all, it seems like it seems like the Notre Dame game was half a season ago. Does it does it not seem like that? No, you? you're 100 percent right. I, I, told, I, I don't know why. Like, you know, it seems like it's I think Lou Holtz is still throwing insults out there, though. <laughs> I mean, obviously, it's because Ohio State was idle last week. It just seems right. longer than that. Right. But like I I maybe this Ohio State team with the with the downtime is going to figure out ways to make Kyle McCord look better than he's looked more comfortable than he's looked all year. Okay. It, it could happen. And these next words that I'm going to say, I could wind up eating them very quickly. Okay. Like it's not, it's not hard for me to imagine Ohio state exploding for, for points. Okay. Here's what I think though. I see CJ Stroud in the NFL and I'm just like, that dude's special. I think he's going to be the best Buckeye NFL quarterback. He's going to be better than Justin Fields. That's for sure. So like, I, that's what I think <laughs> I see. I don't see that out of Kyle McCord. You know the word that I want to use with Kyle McCord? Moxie. He's got moxie. Mm. I think you need to play this game close to your vest. Yes, I just said it. Ohio State playing Maryland close to the vest. Why? Don't feed this Maryland defense turnovers. That's when they explode and take off. Make Drag them into a phone booth. You don't have to run for 200 yards. Just... Dink and dunk, run the ball, play a clean football game, make them out talent and beat you. I don't think Maryland can do it. I think that's going to be Ohio State's game plan. It's it's going to be what I expect to see with a little bit of a shout out to a Maryland defense that I think is a little bit better than they get credit for. Yep, 100%. You're right. And I, that's a note I put down, too. This Maryland defense has, has thrived all year off of turnovers. Can they force McCord to make a few turnovers? Because, again, we said that offensively, Leah's got to have a huge game. I think this defense does have to get one or two turnovers to keep this game going. Because, I mean, the horses on Ohio State, the talent level, is it, it is still different. Like, they recruit at a level that's just that's different than anybody in the than anybody in the conference. It really is. Um, Go ahead. But yeah, I think 
And another thing I want to see is the Ohio State edges on defense haven't really gotten a ton of pressure. And we said this whole season, this Maryland offensive line has been kind of eh. So this is a game where I think those guys need to take over. The JTT, the Jack Sawyers. I need to see those guys get after Leah and not let him get comfortable because we've seen it. Like we said, if he starts getting comfortable and in the rhythm, he's going to make this a long game. So I think we're seeing the same game here, kind of what we talked about. I I feel like it at least. Um, I do think that this game stays close for a little bit. I think, like you said, Locks dials up something and gets creative and keeps it tight for a little bit. I don't think it's a shootout. I don't think we're going to get 45-44 type of game. But I see Ohio State winning this game 35-21. So that's 14 points. I give Maryland the cover here because I just think they find a way to stay plucky in this game and they keep it close and then just Ohio State eventually just strangles them to death and pulls away late. Um, I talked about before with one of these next teams down that play the big three. Do we have the potential of another big three moment here? I don't think it's the same. Okay. I don't think it's the same because of Leah Tunga Viola. So I think Leah will play well enough for Maryland to look pretty good in this game. But in the end, like doing the scenarios in my head again, I see one scenario potentially where Ohio state wins this game, like 40 to 13. I see one scenario where it's just a low scoring game for both teams. There is the potential for a high scoring game for, for both teams for, for sure. I think that is the least likely of those three scenarios. Okay. I would agree. So I will skip to my over under first. So I've got 51 total points. That is my Amador double barrel lock of the week a full touchdown under that 58 point game total how does the score go pretty similar to what you have i've got ohio state 34 maryland 17 as the final score so that is maryland and that 20 points yep i think i said i think we both see this game pretty similar it's pretty close i now i'll be honest with you i hope it's a shootout i hope we see a i hope we see a barn burner of a game to kick off the day i think that'd be fun and i think it would have to be for Maryland to win this game. It is just hard for me to picture a scenario where it's a low scoring game that Maryland wins, but you know what? The sport of college football, it'll go crazy sometimes. You, ne- surprise you, the hell out of you do you do not know. You do not know how it'll go. So it'll be, it, it is an intriguing game. I Sometimes 20 point games are intriguing to see how they go because you see avenues for a competitive game. So we'll tune in, we'll check, we'll check it out. We'll see how that goes. Absolutely. All right, man, we should get out of here before, like, my computer explodes and glass hits me in the face or something (laughs) like that. So (laughs) I am Jeffrey the Greek. I am Jordan. Don't forget to ask for Amador. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We will talk to you soon.